0: Hey everyone, it's a beautiful Friday and this is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Friday Roundtable. We got the guests that we're always showing up with. You got Luke Inman, you got Sam Ekstrom, you got Reggie Wilson, the fantastic four. We're back, people, for another exciting Friday. Beautiful weather out there, by the way. No rain, just sunshine, clear clouds. So a great day for softball. Uh, By the way, congratulations to Oklahoma. Oklahoma won the college softball World Series. It was great to see the girls celebrate uh, having two daughters in softball. Um, I definitely understand that moment my daughter got a chance to do that down in iowa and celebrate with her team after they won the iowa tournament but then you see the florida state girls so it's tough for them so shout out to florida state you did everything you could do but you ran into an absolute buzzsaw in oklahoma 53 straight games these girls are not lost in 53 straight games i don't even know what that feels like i feel like we can never win 53 straight games but as we jump into this show man we got to get locked in on these topics what you got for us luke
1: yeah, Ron, we got the Dalvin Cook news. Daniil Hunter trade rumors are heating up. Does this mean the Vikings are going full rebuild mode? We'll discuss that coming up next.
2: Hmm. And stemming off of that, Quasi Adolfo Mensa has now kind of showed his hand for this offseason. Let's look back at his moves and grade Quasi's two thousand twenty-three offseason maneuvering. Oh, okay.
3: And uh unfortunately the Twins have lost five straight, their worst losing streak of the season. They're below 500 now, still at the top of the division, for
0: better or for worse. We're talking Twins. And this question to me, I don't know what we're going to, have to jump into it anyway. The Nuggets, if they find a way to beat the Heat, what is it going to take? Like, Are they going to start a dynasty? Or is the NBA just too fickle for dynasties anymore because there's so many big threes that want to join together after this season? They've already made comments. Kyrie wants LeBron and Kevin Durant. Wa- we'll talk about that next on The Roundtable. Remember, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Just visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to make every moment more. I told you. I told you the Nuggets are always a lock in the first game, so I hope most of you bet on it. But now... The Nuggets can tip, put a stranglehold on this. In Miami, if they win, they're up 3-1. So then when they're up 3-1, going back to Denver, I hate to say it, but I feel like they're locked to win it 4-1. to So take it for what you want. But I'm Ron Johnson again. We got Luke Inman, Reggie uh, Wilson, Sam Ekstrom. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota Roundtable, and we're going to get started in this. Uh, Luke, Daniel Hunter, and I'm wearing my Vikings polo. One, it was right here. I had it on. I did a video for the Vikings last night. Uh, We had a little Vikings discussion about what's going to happen if Dalvin Cook is released today. Uh, So I wore that last night. So I just, you know, I woke up and kept it on. Why not? So, Luke, what you got?
1: Yeah, Ron, it's been a crazy offseason for Kwasi, for sure. One that I think has been far more aggressive, clearing all this cap space, getting rid of a lot of big names than I think a lot of fans ever expected going into this offseason. So where are we at now? Is this a full rebuild mode we've kind of entered? And I think it's always going to be really tough to call it a full rebuild when you still got guys like Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, and a top-10 offense. So I think it's still a competitive rebuild as much as we make fun of that term. I think it's true because Kwasi... He's still trying to clean up this giant mess Spielman left him while also still capitalizing on some top-end talent on offense with guys like J.J. Hawkinson, two great tackles. You got a top 10 quarterback. And I think with Dalvin Cook, we all knew all the way back in January even, he was never going to take a pay cut. They spent months trying to come to an agreement, and Cook just wouldn't budge. And I still think the Vikings would have loved to have Dalvin Cook back, but At that position specifically now, as we all know, there's a new philosophy in the league that just says you don't pay eight-figure salaries to running backs anymore. Daniil Hunter, on the other hand, that's a far more interesting situation to keep an eye on because without him... What does that defense look like, specifically the front seven? It's already going to be skating on thin ice with him, but without him, there's such a huge drop-off in talent at edge rusher. It's such a premium position now. It's going to be really tough to stay competitive, at least on that side of the ball. But. If trading Daniel Hunter away for a first-round pick means you have the ammo to move up and draft a new quarterback next year, clear Kirk Cousins $40 million every year, then I think that's what they'll do because that's the blueprint of the NFL now, and I think Quasey understands that. I think we're seeing phase two of the competitive rebuild right now coming off a 13-4 and four season, Ron.
2: Yeah, I've made this remark before, but bear with me. I think that it was it was a list. It was first, we're going to be competitive. Then we're going to rebuild. Because last year, it was all competitive. They didn't really make any rebuilding moves. And now they're making all of the rebuilding moves. But you know what? I think there's a distinction between a rebuild and a teardown. A teardown is what the Bears did last year and the Lions did two years ago. This is not a teardown. You don't tear down a team that still has Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, all the offensive pieces. This is maybe, a, I guess you could say maybe a partial teardown if you just look at the defense. It is a defensive teardown. They're building this back up from the studs. They are going to put young players in spots that make them uncomfortable, and it's going to be survival of the fittest. Who's going to emerge and prove that they can be a future piece on this defense? Uh, Without Daniil Hunter, it's tough to be optimistic about that side of the ball. you got to put a lot of faith in Brian Flores. But again, they clearly want to win football games. Like they, if they didn't want to win football games, uh, I don't think they would, you know, have retained all of the offensive pieces they did. So, uh, guys, it's going to be interesting when you have an offense that's like maybe top quarter of the league and a defense that's bottom five. That's going to be a weird dichotomy. But hey, excited to see what happens,
0: Reggie.
3: Yeah. So this Dalvin Cook move is is interesting for me because I don't think that the offense necessarily gets better losing a talent like Dalvin Cook and I'm I may be in the the minority but well I saw it on ESPN yesterday too some people were were kind of arguing like I get the financial aspect of it but I still think that Dalvin Cook has a lot of good football left in him and he showed it I mean he's still popping 80 yard runs you know at at the the drop of a dime and so I think that's a that's a tough thing. Like, I think Alexander Madison is a fine back, but definitely different than than what Dalvin Cook brings. Um, as far as the the whole, like, rebuild thing, like, it's it's hard to fight that they are doing this competitive rebuild. We asked all these questions like, what the heck does that even mean? When Kweisi kind of brought up the phrase. But, you know, we've seen now Thielen, Kendricks, Cook all gone from this team and so i think it's an interesting thing when you start to think about the whole daniel hunter thing because if you do decide to trade away Daniil hunter it's like okay what what are you doing on defense like how are you gonna consistently generate pass rush you got marcus davenport he had a half a sack last year so it's like is that what you're banking on? Are you banking on some of these young guys to step up? You know, the, the DJ Wanums of the world. Like, I, I just don't know that that's a very sound philosophy on defense. And I don't know that that's what Brian Flores signed up for unless they have some conversations before that. But they're, they're taking a lot of risks with this offense that clearly is going to be, you know, like airing it out. Think of that Rams offense when when KOC was there a few years ago. So kind of didn't really utilize the back, kind of used them as necessary, maybe just to keep the defense honest for the play action. So this is clearly going to be an offensive team, but you still have to be complimentary with the defense. And I don't know that trading away Daniel Hunter solves that.
0: Well, this is my thought with it, and I'll be real quick. The Minnesota Vikings don't really know, and this is the key with football. You don't know. You only know what you know and which is the money. And that's all they can do. Like, this is a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans and media and everybody across the world. We're looking at the short side of this. If they were to keep Dalvin Cook, how do they sign Justin Jefferson? If they were to keep Dalvin Cook, how do they possibly renegotiate with Daniel Hunter? Maybe they need to trade Daniel Hunter and then keep Dalvin Cook. But at the end of the day, and I said this on the Pat McAfee show, you look at the last five Super Bowl champions. Nobody had a top five back. Nobody had a top six. Nobody had, I think one team had a top 10 back. None of them. You got names out there like, uh, uh, and I, I got the list, like Henderson from the uh, from the um, Rams. You got Cam Akers. Uh, you got Ronald Jones, Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, you can go to, uh, what's his name, from Jet McKinnon. Uh, you got Sony Michelle. You got Damian Williams. 498 yards on the ground, and the Chiefs were Super Bowl champions. And so if you play the game of the numbers and look at all these champions, you look at the Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry. You you look at the Minnesota Vikings when Dalvin Cook was a top five back. The last time you had a back that was even close to the top five, which was a top six back, was 2013 Marshawn Lynch with the Seattle Seahawks, 1,257 yards. That was the last time. Now, does that mean it's, it's far and few between? yes so then why would i bank on a top five running back when i know the league has kind of gone to the passing game and and that's the face of it why have the league gone to the passing because the passing game is the least path of resistance personally because one the quarterback's super protected now you can't touch him you have to pull up every once in a while and maybe make a mistake because he pump faked you and you thought he threw the ball we've seen that um you, you you have you can't decapitate receivers so receivers are just running down the free down the field free like they're in dandelions on a sunday la, la 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 what oh and like it's it's not the same game anymore so i think a lot of coaches are no understanding that where is it still brutal in the run game where is it still tough in the trenches what would my offensive line rather do of course they rather go forward and just run people over but I can get that done with a guy like Alexander Madison who gave you 100-plus yards twice against the Seattle Seahawks. So I think that's what they're looking at. If we give this guy more opportunity, more chances, you have a guy like Ty Chandler now who's going to fight for uh, running back two with Kane Wangwu, and then also their draft pick, and uh, McBride. So I-, I just think this is the way of the league, and Kevin O'Connell is trying to find his way there. I mean, now you did get Christian McCaffrey going to the 49ers, but did they make the Super Bowl? Now their quarterback did get hurt. So we'll see. But I just think the league is going towards receivers, and that's why they're putting their money on Justin Jefferson and not on Dalvin Cook. Uh, You know what? Let's segue into that one because that's that's another one. Before we have a word from our sponsors, uh, think about this. Really quick, I just want your quick twitch. It doesn't have to be well thought out. Dalvin Cook, almost 6,000. I think he's like seven yards from 6,000, but he had two seasons, 2017, 2018, due to injury. 300 yards and I think 600 yards or something in those seasons most likely would have been a 1600 yard season and then a 1200 yard season so now that's 7,000 almost 8,000 yards in Dalvin Cook's career 8,000 yards and he would have still been under the number of games of Chuck Foreman who is below him now with seven there's a 20 game difference between Dalvin Cook and Chuck Foreman and again, different eras. Chuck Foreman was more of a, a dual threat running back before his time. We know that. Adrian Peterson at 12,000 yards. Robert Smith, he would have surpassed Robert Smith, who's right up there at 6,800 yards. If Dalvin Cook had not gotten hurt and been at 8,000 yards by now, 8,000 plus yards, and then he's probably going to still move on to another team, but he hits that 10,000, maybe 11,000-yard mark, would we, would we consider him a Hall of Famer? Because injury would not have been a question. I'll start with you, uh, Reggie.
3: Yeah, I think I think he's well on his way there. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook does some very dynamic things, and he was drafted to be kind of like that bell cow. And it's just so interesting, like, he had four straight seasons of 1,100 yards, but the this last season was the only one that he played every game of his career. So you just wonder, like, over the course of his career, if he's able to play even 14, 15, you know, games, every year like how many more yards he would have because he was a very productive back in his time with the Vikings so I think yeah he's well on his way to being a Hall of Famer
1: I agree with Reggie here a lot of this getting into the Hall of Fame discussion starts with longevity and obviously you look at guys like Emmett Smith and Frank Gore they built their legacy off longevity 226 games for Emmett. Frank Gore 241 games. Now, even if Dalvin didn't reach that point, if he stayed on this same path, maybe it's a running coach like Mike Zimmer used to be. Maybe it's involved in the passing game a little bit, but the production is there. As long as his talent didn't slip off, being 28 now, if he could put four, five, six more good seasons that we know Dalvin Cook could be, certainly could be in that conversation, Ron. I agree.
2: Yeah, if he doesn't get hurt first two years, he probably has 1,000-yard seasons in 17 and 18, And then we're talking about a guy starting his career with six consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. Uh, He would probably be around 8,000 yards in his career now with a chance to get up to 10,000 by the time it's all said and done. Earl Campbell, that's a big name in NFL history. That's a Hall of Famer. He only had 5,000-yard seasons in his career, and he just started out really hot. Three rushing titles in his first three years. Only played eight years in the league. He's got 9,400 yards in his career, and he's a Hall of Famer. And that's kind of the the bar that Dalvin would have to clear. It's going to be tough for him to clear it now, I think. But if he stayed healthy earlier in his career with those first two seasons when he had less wear and tear on the body at that point, man, think of the possibilities.
0: That's funny you say that, Sam. I didn't even think about that. Earl Campbell to 9,000 yards, that's where Clinton Portis probably has his bones, where he's like, look, I'm, I'm one of the top 20 running backs in NFL history. I should be in the Hall of Fame. So I, I do, CP was on our show, so I do understand where he goes with that. Uh, for me with Dom McCook, I'm going to leave it as a, what is it, not uh, not complete or whatever, or incomplete. Sorry, that's the grade you get in school, yeah. get an I. I'm going to leave it as incomplete. Uh, it's one of those things where you just don't know because the voters. Uh, how does he take the rest of his career? Uh, if he had not gotten hurt, maybe he leaves the Vikings sooner because the money, I mean, he maybe he wanted even more money. Maybe he wanted to be the top paid running back in NFL history. Who knows? But, I mean, it is what it is. Dalvin Cook, to me, I thought he was a Christian McCaffrey-type running back where you could use him in numerous ways, and the Vikings never truly found a way to do it. They just had so many weapons. The defense was good. Um, honestly, that Eagles year, I think that was the time. Like, that would have been the perfect year to go to the Super Bowl in Minnesota, and they just couldn't get it done. Uh, so it'll always be a what if. What if Dalvin Cook never got hurt? Uh, and, and you're right, Luke, longevity. I think that's going to always be the question with Dalvin Cook. Like, can he go to another team and maybe be a dual back with, two other, with one other back and then, you know, be able to make it 16 games or 17 games? Uh, because clearly – just him was not the correct formula for him with shoulders and other things so it is what it is but we have a word from our sponsors coming back though we're going to talk a little bit more about uh this twins team now this is one thing about the twins and we have some quasi conversation as well but this twins team i said they would be below the tigers the tigers absolutely stink like those seven games against the white socks did nothing for them the Guardians are the team catching the Twins now, so I was a little bit wrong. Maybe my testimony on Tuesday would be to the Twins. I, I uh, misunderstood. But for the Tigers, I'm sorry. I, I uh, didn't recognize your game. I thought you were better than that. You lied to me. You completely lied to me. Uh, but we have before we come back and talk about Quasi's offseason, we have a word from our sponsors.
2: Yeah, let's talk about FanDuel Sportsbook, the official Sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make a fast break to FanDuel for these NBA finals. The line tonight... The Heat favored, sorry, the Nuggets favored by three and a half. The Heat, underdogs at home trying to stay alive. Can Jimmy Buckets and K-Love and Adebayo get it done on South Beach? We'll find out. And you can wager on FanDuel if you're a new customer. You can get the No Sweat First Bet up to $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. $2,500, folks. No better place to bet the playoffs than at FanDuel. They've got great promotions going on all the time. Safe, secure, easy to use. FanDuel Sportsbook app. And you get paid instantly when you win. It's the best. It's FanDuel fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel.com slash locked on that's the website claim that no sweat first bet up to $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win fanduel an official sports betting
0: partner of the NBA well Sam you want to talk about Kwesi's offseason take it away
2: yeah let's do it let's build on this Vikings conversation because I think now that we're seeing the plan unfold and that means that you know Earlier in the offseason, we weren't sure about Zedarius and Dalvin and Daniil. Well, well, now we've seen Zedarius get traded. We're possibly seeing Dalvin get traded or cut today. And Daniil is on the trade block. So all of the, these key pieces that we assumed maybe one or two would be gone, it looks like all of them might be gone, putting the Vikings closer to that rebuild mode that we talked about earlier. So how do you guys view Quasi's offseason? I think it's been a curious one right because he's clearing all of this cap space he's he's cutting these veterans he's opening up financial avenues for the future and yet we've got this big glaring 28 million dollar dead cap hit for Kirk Cousins next year which just seems antithetical to to the approach i like the the you know the idea of clearing up cap space for the future. I like that, but it does get contradicted a bit by the quarterback situation. So I I think that it's an odd kind of set of choices without knowing the full picture. I think Kwesi probably has a plan for down the road. how he's going to handle all this, but until we see that plan come to fruition, I'm just a little puzzled as to how, um, how he's approached it. I know it's tough. You, You can't make all the moves after you go 13 and four, you can't tear it all down, obviously, but I I wish he maybe just would have committed to one direction or the other. Uh, What do you guys think? What you got, Reggie?
3: I think the problem is they have to, like, field a competitive team because we've talked about it. The Wills don't seem interested in, like, a tank job. So tearing the whole thing down is, is not good for their bottom line because it doesn't put butts in seats. We kind of saw with Chicago last year, those fans were going through it and they didn't want to go to games, you know, besides the fact that they have this whole stadium issue, but kind of doing the whole rebuild thing, like the full rebuild is not going to work for the Wills. But I think the problem with that is if you don't do the tank or you don't do the full rebuild, it's kind of hard to... Kind of get that next quarterback of the future that they they seem to be kind of like pushing towards. So it's like okay, like what do you do? How do you how do you get there? And and I think Luke mentioned the whole like Daniel Hunter trade. It's like who that would be tough. That would be a brutal thing to do, but if you do do that, then now you have a a chance to maybe package a couple picks to move up to try to get the quarterback of the future. And now you kind of see, like, the rebuild thing kind of take place where you're trying to still be competitive but also look towards the future. His competitive rebuild phrase, you know, strikes again. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how things play out through the rest of this offseason to see if maybe they do trade him or do they do get – a extension, an extension done with Daniel because I think that kind of that kind of shows like what their direction is and what their vision is. It's a little murky right now. It's not really easy to read. Yeah,
1: I I think you got to look at Kwesi's moves, each one specifically, in a vacuum because they all have different intentions behind them. Thielen and Kendricks, for example, that was about clearing some overpriced contracts for aging vets who just were never going to be a part of the new long-term plan. Zedarius, he was unhappy here for a few different reasons. He wanted to move on. Dalvin Cook, we know, didn't want to take the pay cut. Vikes wanted to move to a running back by committee like the rest of the league. And I think we all have to remember, who Quacey is at the end of the day. He's an analytical GM that makes moves solely off the numbers. And I know that's a big shift for fans coming from Rick Spielman in that era. He probably would have found a way to keep delving around. He probably would have kept Thielen or Kendricks, probably would have given Kirk Cousins another two, three-year extension too. But again, the focus of this new regime, it feels like it's all about keeping resources available for guys like J.J., Hawkinson, Darius on next season, and maybe most importantly, having the money available to make a long-term commitment to a quarterback, whether that's drafting a guy next year or continuing to pay Cousins year by year. And what do all those guys have in common, by the way? It's all offense. And look what they've done on offense this offseason, by the way. They had a top 10 offense last year. They brought back all five offensive linemen. They added another playmaking tight end. They swapped out Thielen's contract for a rookie deal with Jordan Addison. And they said, as much as we love Dalvin Cook, we think we can get the same type of production with his four-man rotation. So... They're tough moves to swallow, Ron. I get it, especially for the short term for these fans. But they're all to better the long-term health of the roster, I think. And looking around the league, understanding this is an offensive league now and a passing league specifically, first and foremost. And that's, I think, where their number one priority lies moving forward. And that's clearly what they want their identity to be during this koc Quasi era while they continue to clear cap space on the side.
0: Yeah, when I look at at teams, I always think about boats. And every team is, you know, what type of boat? The captain goes down with the ship. And so if you think about, uh, here's a bunch of different boat opportunities. You have Titanic, which I hope Sam has seen that one. You also have Captain Phillips. Um, You have Speed, for those that remember Sandra Bullock and Speed. She ended up on a boat too, wasn't just a bus. Um, And then you have Fast and Furious. And I know a lot of you don't even know the Fast and Furious boat reference. But it was Fast and Fears two, with ludicrous. It starts off with boats. Um, here's where I go with this. The type of boat that I feel like Quacy is taking the Vikings on right now is a little bit of Captain Phillips. You know, w- when you think about Kevin O'Connell stepping on the ship, you know, Kevin O'Connell walks on the ship and I'm the captain now. But then what happens? So you he's have the pirate, th- or is he, he is Tom Tom pirate. Kevin, o- the pirate. Kevin O'Connell okay. is the pirate. Right. But here's here's where I go with that. He flips the script. He starts off as the pirate because he has to take over the boat, but then he becomes Tom Hanks. So he's both. He's the pirate, and now he's Tom Hanks. So he's gonna become the hero. And within that, people have to die. People have to go. Like you got to move on from people. And I think that's that's the only way for this to be successful. And so a part of you, because again, when Kevin O'Connell took over, all these guys were a part of him. So he was he's the entire movie is him, but he has to kill a part of himself. And part of that for him and Quaisi and him and Quasi are one, like they're they're both tom hanks you know they're both the pirate they they have to be able to look at this team and say here's the pieces we got to kill off to be successful in the rest of this they got to tell the snipers like look hey hey take the shot and 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 it sucks like when we watch these players get sniped it it doesn't feel good but it's part of the league and we've seen so many teams like you know bobby wagner had to move on from his team and go to the rams like so many teams fan bases that have been tied into these players Marshawn lynch had to leave the seahawks like I'm pretty sure all these other teams had the same feelings we're having about the Vikings when they lost their guy that they thought, you know, or their guys that they thought would be on that team forever. Um, it is what it is. Imagine like, you know, the, the, the Panthers when they lost Christian McCaffrey, you know, like it it, it is what it is. It's just part of the league. And so I think for Quasi's off season, because uh, I know that was part of it too. What, what, how would we kind of grade this off season so far? What do we think of his moves? Um, I think he's moving in the right direction to Luke's point. The only way to get a guy like Caleb Williams or one, a, a, a serviceable quarterback that you think could be the future, I don't know if the of quarterback is out there the next two or three years. That's the problem, too. When you're a scout, and I'm pretty sure the scouts are saying this, like it, it's going to be hard every year to get a C.J. Stroud and a Bryce Young. Caleb Williams, I guess, is the next one. But do the Vikings have enough juice to get up there? Or are they willing to tank and get up there? Like That's going to be the problem. I don't think the Vikings fans could, could deal with a Kirk Cousins winning three games. Kirk Hunt is winning three games. The town might have a riot. Like, it might not go well at US Bank Stadium every week. It would be booze. It would be paper airplanes. Uh, it would be everything. Pets' heads would be falling off. Like, it would just be crazy. It'll be Animal House at the stadium. I don't know if Sam's seen that movie either. Uh,
2: but- <laughs> hey, I've seen Dumb and Dumber. The Pets' Heads okay. reference made sense to me. And I've seen Captain Phillips. That's two
0: today. There you go. Wow. Did you see Speed with Sandra Bullock? No. Fast and Furious with Ludacris? No. Yeah. And Sam, clearly you're 50% on movies. So speaking of 50%, we have the Minnesota Twins uh, topic coming up with Reggie Wilson. Before we do that, people, remember, you can watch the Twins lose some more games. They're on a five-game losing streak right now uh, tonight at uh, 6 p.m., in Toronto, you can catch every pitch with the Twins' hometown broadcast with Sirius XM. Just go to the SXM app and search Twins, and maybe your support will help them win. I mean, you guys have all seen Angels in the outfield. When you turn on your SiriusXM XM radio app or you're in your car, listening tw- everybody in the car just start doing this while you're driving. And people are going to be like, what in the heck are all these Minnesotans doing? And then it's going to catch on. And everybody's going to be like, oh, wait. Every time we do this, the twins start winning because they know there's twin angels in the outfield helping the twins win this season. And they're gonna go to the no, nah, they're probably gonna lose eventually. But anyway, hey, whatever it takes, people, XM. Uh, they, they could be with you the whole way of every single pitch, every single crazy play, and every single um uh screwing the over with pitching because the 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 the, the catchers are clearly just framing these pitches and they're in the strikes. But we're not gonna talk about that. But we got to move on to you, Reggie. Reggie, what you got with the twins?
3: Yeah, it's just a free fall for them right now. I think it's incredible to see that they are still a game and a half in first place above Cleveland. Sorry, Ron, about your uh, your Tigers there, but I think nothing is going well for them. Like the pitching is not going well. Like Pablo had a had a solid night the other night, but couldn't get any run support. And we just Bailey Ober has been pretty good this year. He got tagged a little bit yesterday. And then these bats, man, like I just don't understand, you know, I don't know. They're going to have to make a decision with Carlos Correa. So he did hit the home run. He went two for four yesterday, but he was putrid before then. I mean, he's only hitting like 210 this season. They're going to have to make a decision. Like, do you shut him down for like until like the the all-star break or something like that just to get that foot? to possibly heal up a little bit with that plantar fasciitis which is something that's just going to linger this whole season or or do you just continue to put him out there and just let him kind of work his way through his struggles like I think it's just so interesting how the bats have just gone so cold and you're banking on production from Michael A. Taylor who's hitting who's hitting jacks this season it's just not working you got solo home runs Time and time again, you get people coming up with bases loaded situations, runners in scoring position, striking out, grounding out, getting out. It's just not a good thing right now. Season high five game losing streak. And it just doesn't seem like it's getting any better. What you got, Luke?
1: Yeah. Any other division, they're in the middle of the pack at best. I mean, five teams, five losing records. But yeah, Reggie's right. They're hanging by a thread. I mean, it's the same old story. They just can't hit. It's a shame, too. I know Reggie mentioned a few so-so outings uh, in the last 10 days or so. But in general, they've wasted so many great outings by these starting pitchers. This has been one of the better rotations in the league, top to bottom, one through five now, for 10 straight weeks. But they continue to lose these games, Ron. It's so frustrating. Four to two, two to one, one to zero. The Twins have lost an MLB most 10 games when allowing three runs or fewer and they also have one of the worst records in the league in one run games too so you combine both of those things it's not good and the bats they need to lean on the guys who are supposed to carry this offense Nowhere to be found. Buxton, Correa, now Polanco, sir. Arguably, their three best hitters. They're either dealing with injuries or they just haven't been very good, to be honest. So when that happens, now you got to rely on more young guys: Kurloff, uh, Matt Wallner, Trevor Larnick, Royce Lewis, Garlic, etc. And even though some of those guys have flashed, they've shown some promise. There's always going to be a lot more inconsistencies, a lot more ebbs and flows when you're counting on so many young, inexperienced bats to win games night in and night out. That's why I think the Twins are a 500 team right now and one of the worst hitting teams in the league. But, man, I'm telling you, I, if they can just get middle-of-the-road production from their lineup and their bats more consistently, I still think the pitching staff has the goods to carry them far enough to play some October baseball when it's all said and done.
0: Sam.
2: Yeah, th- this is thematic, I think, of the Twins front office if you look at them the last few years, they have made the choice to try and get injury-prone players at value, or they, they, they buy the dip. For instance, Carlos Correa coming back to Minnesota, his value decreased because nobody wanted to touch him with that physical. right? And the Twins said, okay, this is an opportunity for us to get a player with potential at value. Uh, when they extended Byron Buxton, You know, the major injury red flags, Byron Buxton, and they got a good deal on Byron Buxton because of the the injury concerns. Right. The twins hunt for good deals, knowing there are risks involved because they don't have endless money. And it just seems like every gamble they have taken has -hmm. come back to bite them, like trading for Tyler Malley, uh, trading for Chris Paddock. All of these guys who come with some injury baggage, that baggage comes to fruition. Um, The team is so banged up. Because they are built around a core of guys that are fragile. Um, what is Max Kepler doing in the lineup? The guy is hitting two seventeen over the last four years. OBP of 308. That's not going to get better. Max Kepler is, is a broken hitter. And I, re- I remain committed to this premise. The Twins should not be buyers at the deadline. I know we're about seven weeks away, and maybe things can change. They should not be buyers at the deadline. Don't give up assets to try to prop up this team. I think you just got to ride it out if you win the division, great, but don't sacrifice your prospects to try to to put lipstick on a pig because this is Whoa. this is not a team that deserves to give away minor leaguers for a one- year rental. not going to happen.
1: Do you think hey. they will be buyers, Sam? Do you think they eventually will cave and end up doing that at the trade deadline?
2: I think that's going to be a great temptation, Mm -hmm. and I would caution against it. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: I don't know what your problem is with pigs, Sam. I'm a fan of bacon, so I I don't think you need to put lipstick on bacon. Uh, It's just fine. It's pretty. Uh, But but I'm a Jay-Z. This one take, one minute. Here we go. Men lie, women lie. Numbers don't. The Minnesota Twins, they struggle, and Reggie bought this up, they can't string together games and bats and hits. Like, and again, I hate to go to Oklahoma in softball, but I'm a huge softball fan. Again, shout out to Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma, they could beat the Twins. Oklahoma could beat the Twins if they if the Oklahoma had to play or if, if the Twins had to play softball. And they were hitting against the Oklahoma pitcher, Jordy Ball, sophomore, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, CrossFit superstar. Uh, I don't think they could beat Oklahoma. I mean, I'm sorry. Oklahoma, those bats are alive. And again, also, I don't think the Twins pitchers could pitch underhand. But, hey, that's a totally different subject. But here's where I go with this. The Oklahoma Sooners softball team, they feed off energy. They feed off each other. They go into some games 0-0 in the fourth inning. It takes one person to get going, and then it's contagious. But then also their opponent starts to feel that pressure that Oklahoma puts on people. The Twins aren't scaring anybody. And I think that's part of the problem. The Twins aren't scaring anybody. Like they don't really strike fear. And I think Luke said, it, I forgot who said it, but you're right. If the twins were any other division, they would be at the bottom right now. The AL East. if they were the AL East, they would be at the bottom. They have the same record as the Red Sox and the guardians are about to play the Astros. The guardians put 10 up on the Red Sox, even though the Red Sox have a 31 and 32 record. And if they were in the AL central, they would be the number one team, but they're in the AL East with a bunch of ballers a bunch of dogs, and they can't find a way to just overcome some of the small things. I think Reggie brought it up in loot, and Sam said it too. The players they're adding just aren't it. I don't know if it's time to like clean house with the scouting department, uh, maybe reach out to some of these other teams that win and say, hey, who's your top scout or who's your assistant to the top scout? Can we get him? We've seen a lot of baseball movies where guys come from other organizations and then create some of that organization. It is what it is. That's why NFL teams still great GMs. They still great defense and offensive coordinators because they're like, look, they found success over here with this coach. Can they bring it to us? It works sometimes, sometimes it doesn't, but you cannot keep doing the same thing. And, 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 and it, because it's insanity. And I'm not going to say what Pac Man Jones said, because I don't know if you guys saw what Pac Man Jones said mm-hmm. about uh cojones. Um, but it's almost like the twins keep slamming their cojones in the door every time they do something. It's like every single time, it's like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna brutalize myself and just hope that this works. Good like Lord, some, <laughs> that sounds painful. <laughs> Reggie's it sound face painful. right
1: now. It's just great. But insane, at some point right? they
0: have to change it. Uh, I mean that was another topic really quick because we do have some time, fellas. 36 minutes. We gotta get out of here in a minute. But I don't know if you guys saw what Pac-Man, and we got one more topic about the uh, the the, the uh, nuggets, so we were gonna get to that. But I don't know if you guys saw what Pac-Man Jones say when I was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. He said Kirk Cousins doesn't have any cojones, but he said it the very, like, way you don't say it. Uh, he said peanuts. Uh, he said Kirk Cousins doesn't have any, and that's why Kirk Cousins will never be a truly a winner. Uh, really quick, guys, 10, 20 seconds. Luke, do you think that that matters? Because I, I brought up the point that Kirk Cousins is a minivan guy. He's a family guy. He's going to be that guy. I think Kevin O'Connell is unlocking some other things in him that Mike Zimmer couldn't. But do you think that it matters that people don't see Kirk Cousins as a guy that's going to, you know, Serrano that thing and I know Sam saw that movie so maybe Sam you're getting above 5% of your movies today Uh, but Major League you know Serrano like I don't think Kirk Cousins does that type of stuff but I mean he did push Mike Zimmer so he has a little bit of dog in him Uh, Luke what do you think?
1: Yeah he's certainly never going to be confused with Mr. Swag off the field all I care about is what his teammates think does he have command of the huddle and all his teammates say is they will rally behind him and they'll go to battle with him every single game so yeah it doesn't look like some of the other elite quarterbacks on and off the field But Kirk Cousins has the trust of his teammates, and that's really all I care about at the end of the day. Sam? Yeah, I
2: I think we need to have open, adaptable minds, right? And and as new information comes in, we are allowed to change our opinion. Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins was not clutch. He was not a great leader early in his time in Minnesota, and I have seen evidence to change my mind. I think he's gotten way more comfortable – whether it's speaking to the media or handling his teammates or, or handling his coaches. Um, although the, the Mike Zimmer, Kirk cousins feud was still really uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, and I think he's gotten more clutch in football games. Like the, the prime time narrative I think has been shattered. I think he's won plenty of of big time primetime games the last couple of years and all the comeback victories last year. Like he has legitimately improved that part of his skill set as a quarterback. So, uh, I think he's actually got some cojones. The question oh, okay. is does he does he have enough like for all four quarters, every play of the game to get it to like be a Super Bowl winning quarterback? I
3: don't know about that. Reggie. so I've been watching uh catching up on Ted Lasso recently, and uh, I'm reminded of this too, uh having been in Cincinnati, and so I was just watching an episode of Ted lasso, and the first the first half was really bad. And you can hear the fans saying, oh, same old Richmond. I think what's tough is how Kirk Cousins ended the year with that dump off to Hockett. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even close to the first down because it had people saying, "Like oh, even though all the things that Kirk Cousins had done last year, you have people like, oh, same old Cousins. Check down Charlie. You know, it's just like, well. That's a little mm-hmm. nearsighted, and, and there's more information that suggests that he's a little bit more than that. You saw all the fourth quarter comebacks last year. If you would have said that maybe prior to last year, maybe you say, Uh, oh, maybe, maybe Pac-Man is on to something, but I think like it is tough because no matter how much success he has, until he kind of reaches that mountaintop people are still going to have the narrative that they had. Like, I saw the Bengals go all the way to the Super Bowl, and people were still like, oh, same old Bungles. And it's just like, well, have you been mm-hmm. watching them? Like, do you see how different this team is now, perennial Super Bowl contender? And now you're still just saying, oh, they're the same old Bengals. So I think people just kind of get these conceptions of these guys and just continue to run with it no matter what, The narrative has done like they should be like Sam where you can't be amenable to be like, oh, well, I could change my mind when I have
0: more information because Kirk has put more information out there. Yeah. Well, Kirk Cousins is a minivan guy. He embraced it in the Viking schedule release. You saw that with uh, him and Victor and the drone. So, hey, if Kirk Cousins is going to get minivan deals, take it. Some guys want Ferraris. Kirk's NIL deal. Is with the minivan. Well, throw some throw some rims on that thing, Ryan. Speaking of uh, <laughs> exactly. Speaking of oh. cigars, some spinners. Speaking of cigars, ah, this nice hand rolled cigar. Thanks to the Minnesota Vikings, John Randall, and uh the Minnesota Vikings uh golf tournament, I was able to go, and they and they gave out these Super Bowl cigars. They're not Super Bowl cigars. I'm not gonna lie to you people, because the Minnesota Vikings have not won one. The Pittsburgh Steelers have won two. You see the helmet behind me. You see what I'm holding my hand right now. Super Bowl ring. That's what everybody wants. That championship ring. Uh, this is from the Steelers. I got two of them, by the way. Not just one, but two Subo rings. Uh, and that's what teams want. They want the cigar, they want the Subo rings, and they want the champagne. And so here's where I go with this. If the Denver Nuggets win four to one against Miami Heat or four to two, at what point do we consider them or do they have the possibility to become a dynasty? I think
2: the answer is it's very much on the table. Now, now, what is a dynasty, right? Is a dynasty. Two championships or more, three championships or more. I think we all agree that um, the Warriors were and are a dynasty. The Miami Heat for four four years, four finals, I think that was a dynasty, two championships. Um, The Denver Nuggets get everybody back next year. Mm -hmm. Everybody back. And that includes the two-time MVP, best player on the planet, Nikola Jokic. They got Murray back. Health has always been their bugaboo, right? Like, they they just haven't been able to get the whole group together until now, and they're probably going to win the championship with that core. Um, I think that the league is as talented as ever. They may run into a team that, that upends them and, and kind of ends the dynasty talk, but there's a very good chance they're back in this position next year, and they could rattle off two in a row, and then I think the discussion is on.
3: Reggie? I think you got to win three, Sam. I feel like you got to yeah. win three to be considered a dynasty. That that um, that way, like, I don't think the the Heat were a dynasty. Like they were they were good. They were really good. They went to four. I think they should have won more than that, um, and especially to be considered a dynasty. Now you look at the the Lakers. <laughs> Shameless plug there. The Lakers. they they're a dynasty. Two different times they they won, you know, multiple rings. I don't know if that's second with with Kobe and Gasol. I don't know if that was a dynasty because it was only two. But that being said, like, time and, and health heals all with the Nuggets. MPJ, he went to my alma mater, Mizzou. The dude just can't keep a healthy back. This season, he's been healthy all year. He's played to his potential. He's got in the bag, and they look good. Murray, finally fully healthy from the ACL. Him and and Jokic, that two-man game, like, that could stand the test of time. Like, they could play that game in any era of basketball and have success. They got to get this one first, get by the heat. And then, look, health is on their side, and you think about the the new CBA. I don't know if you guys have kind of read about that, but they're kind of stopping this whole, like, three man, you know, show with these NBA teams without severe cap ramifications for uh, for these teams, like they're kind of incentivizing having that homegrown talent like a Golden State Warriors team where, you know, maybe you add a Kevin Durant and then that's where you skyrocket. But they're kind of penalizing teams for kind of, you know, building that big three. And so moving forward, if they're going to do that and the Nuggets stay healthy, I see they have Every chance in the world to to build a dynasty there.
0: Well, this is what I'll say real quick before we get out of here. Um, I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with no because in the NBA right now, you got a you got a Godfather and you, you got you got owners saying, "Hey, I, I got an offer that you can't refuse. I got Chris Paul. I got Kyrie Irving. I got Luka Doncic. I'll even draft your son next year if, if he's not good. LeBron, come over to Dallas
3: with
2: Kyrie." Are you Mark Cuban?
3: I'm is
0: that Mark who Cuban. You are right now because I have a Cuban. Cuban. Cause
2: gotta...
3: a Cuban. Is this a Cuban? the Shark Tank?
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but if 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 I'm Mark Cuban right now, and I can I can guarantee that to LeBron because Le- Mark was a man of his word. He will he will draft Bronny just to draft Bronny if he can get LeBron and Kyrie with Luca. LeBron, Kyrie, and Luca is basically LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. But Luca's a better Kevin Love right now. Stronger, better shooter. And when he needs to go one-on-one, that's what LeBron needs. He needs a guy that can go one-on-one, which he has two in Kyrie and Luka. You can't double team. That's the problem right now is LeBron gets doubled every once in a while. AD can shoot every once in a while. Luka can shoot every while. Who can control Kyrie? LeBron. Kyrie's never been good since he's left LeBron. He's never been good since he left LeBron. So uh, it, it, it's, it's uh, what, what is it, that Ariana Grande song, Thank You, Next? Like, that's what has been for team for Kyrie. Thank you. Next, next, thank you. I just wanna thank you for my um. I mean, that's that's literally what Kyrie is. Every team is like, thank you, next. Who's got me? Oh, uh, thank you, next. Like ever since LeBron, and he made that statement, which is so stupid to me. That now he wants to trade for LeBron. He's out there campaigning, hanging out with Clutch Sports to get LeBron. So, in my opinion. The Nuggets can't be a dynasty because so many guys are going to try to, lo- g- like, load up and be together. Kevin Durant might go back to the Warriors if you if you read the tea leaves. Like, there's, Kevin Durant might team up with LeBron and AD. I mean, guys really just want to win. Uh, but Kyrie may, may end up with the Suns because Kyrie's trying to recruit, but mm. Kevin Durant is losing CP3. So he might say, hey, Kyrie, come on, man. Like, I know you didn't like James Harden, but Devin Booker's not that guy. So I just I think it's going to be tough in the West for the Nuggets to be a dynasty, and I agree with Reggie. You got to get three uh, championships out of that. But at the end of the day, I hope the Vikings get to light one of these up and pop some champagne in Minnesota because it'll make our season offseason great. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Luke Emmon. That's Sam Escher. That's Reggie Wilson. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota. Remember, I just did it on my TV. I have a Roku TV right here. You just go to the TV. You search. I always do it just to make sure I'm right. You go to your apps, you search, you hit Locked On Sports Minnesota, you click it, you hit add to home screen. The little square is going to come up. It's nice and pretty. It's yellow on mine? I don't know what color it might be on yours, but it'll be a yellow, uh, uh, or no, sorry, purple. I think it's purple. Football Party is yellow. The Ron Johnson Show is purple. But all of our shows will be right there in the app. Also, Amazon Fire, same process. Go to your apps, add it. It'll be right there when you scroll across your Amazon Fire device. And then iTunes iHeart Media, Spotify, we're everywhere. Wherever you go, we're with you. XM Radio. I did it on the XM Radio app myself. You just go to XM Radio app, you just search Locked On Sports, and we're right there on your XM Radio app. It can Bluetooth to your car. Take us with you, people. We need you. And then, of course, YouTube, you can see our pretty faces. You can see this well. You can't smell it. I wish this was a scratch-a-sniff show because (laughs) – I mean, it's too early to smoke a cigar right now, but, man, this thing is I, I had one last night for my, uh, uh, my dad's uh, celebration for his birthday. My dad's birthday was mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, he passed away in 2018, so I lit one of these up, I had a little uh, old-fashioned uh, memory of my pops because uh, that's all he did was smoke cigars and drink whiskey, uh, probably where I get it from now. I don't smoke cigars, though, but I did light one up for him. So these things are good, not going to lie. Like, I, it's too early right now. Maybe if my daughter wins the championship on Sunday, I'll light another one up. But I'm Ron Johnson. <laughs> this is Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's a table, people. Have a great Friday and a great weekend. And congratulations to Oklahoma softball. You guys did it again. You are the dominant team in college sports. Thank you and have a great day.
2: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on
0: Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.